High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. I'm your host, Dr. Onit Lev, an emergency and addiction doctor who has served at the White House and still practices on the front lines. Right here on High Truths, you will learn from experts from around the globe and around all aspects of drugs and addiction. Today's episode is sponsored by Isaac, the International Academy on the Science and Impact of Cannabis. Visit their website at isaacone.org, I-A-S-I-C-1.org, to follow the science on marijuana. Friends, fentanyl is plaguing America. There is no safe drug supply unless it comes from a legal pharmacy. If you are around anyone who may be using drugs, you should carry naloxone, the opioid reversal agent. Carrying naloxone for drugs is like carrying an EpiPen for allergies. Come visit me on hightruths.com to learn more about the show, submit a question, or download a free prescription for naloxone. Hello again, High Truth listeners. Get ready for a hitting conversation. We're going to talk about quitting the hit. And I'm your host, Dr. Onit Lev. A hit of what? A hit on the vape pen. Just when we finally got a grasp on the tobacco problem. Just after a long, deadly, 100-year journey of lung cancer, heart disease, and emphysema, out comes something worse. Vaping. It has more nicotine, makes bigger puffs of smoke, and it's more fun. It's an electronic gadget. But from a public health lens, this has been a grave mistake. Do you remember Evali, electronic and vaping lung illness? If not, you're not alone. Many doctors forget the word Evali. It's just not a catchy phrase. Popcorn lung is easier to remember. Evali was a dress rehearsal to the COVID pandemic. 68 young people died from this vaping disease and over 2,000 were hospitalized. The CDC did a great job in managing and advertising the problem. Evali is no longer an epidemic, but that does not mean the disease is eradicated. The other day, we treated a 17-year-old boy who was admitted to the hospital with a respiratory failure. His lungs were shot and he needed to be on a ventilator to help him breathe. His lung damage affected his heart and his heart had an ejection fracture, how strong it squeezes, at 17%, barely pumping. He almost died, and no explanation was available to explain his lung problem, except he regularly vaped marijuana. With excellent care, he made a miraculous recovery. Statistical modeling studies have shown that for every one adult who may quit tobacco by using vape, We created 80 new adolescents who use nicotine that otherwise would never have started. For every 3,000 lives saved by electronic cigarettes, we kill 1.5 million others. You do the math. And with that, let's hear our question of the day. Hello, Dr. Lev. Thank you for bringing incredible education on substance use and misuse through your High Truth podcast. My name is Kelsey Fernandez. I work primarily in underage substance use prevention through a community-based coalition in Northern California called Marin Healthy Youth Partnerships. My question is about vaping. Despite all our prevention efforts, we know kids continue to be at increased risk of getting addicted to nicotine through flavored vaping products that target youth. I actually have three questions. First, do you have any suggestions for parents who are trying to support their child to quit vaping? Also, what kinds of resources are available to help students who are trying to quit? 
And are there any cessation programs specifically geared towards youth? Thank you in advance for a chance to hear from the experts on this issue. Thank you, Kelsey, for your question, your empathy, and advocacy in protecting and helping our youth. Our children are our future, so you are investing your time and energy with great purpose. To answer your question, I've invited the experts hired by the state of California to work on vaping cessation in youth. Kristen Isaac and Brianna Zimmerman work for the Rescue Agency, a company that helps governments and nonprofits create award-winning campaigns that drive health behavior change. Kristen Isaac is the Vice President of Group Management at the Rescue Agency. She helped grow the largest youth vaping communication efforts in the United States behind the haze. She worked with the FDA, NIDA, the American Lung Association, and more. Brianna Zimmerman, Bree, is an account supervisor at the Rescue Agency. She is a group facilitator at Quit the Hit across six different states. To learn more about Kristen Isaac, Brianna Zimmerman, and Quit the Hit, check out the High Truth show notes. Kristen and Bree, welcome to High Truths. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I am very excited. I think we're going to have a fun, interesting uh, conversation. And I want to start with having you introduce yourself and tell us all the things that you are working on in marketing um, and your various backgrounds. I will start us out. So my name is Bree Zimmerman and I'm an account supervisor at Rescue. And I have the wonderful um, opportunity to work with a lot of our youth center programs. And that's actually how I came to be a part of the rescue agency. And right now I'm one of the main group facilitators for our Quit the Hit program. Fascinating. And Kristen? Yes. Hi, my name is Kristen Isaac. I'm vice president, group management director, overseeing our tobacco control programs at Rescue. So I work very closely with Bree and we technically oversee over 30 different programs across the United States within tobacco control, everywhere from youth prevention to adult cessation. We're going to talk about quitting the hit uh, and vaping in general. So let's start with a little bit of a background about vaping and cessation in general. So first questions are for you, Kristen, and then we'll get to you, Bree. But let's start with how critical and widespread is the teen vaping problem? Thank you so much, Dr. Lev. In 2022, more than two and a half million teens were vaping. And what's really concerning about this is that we have made a lot of strides within public health and all the different states that we're working with to start making progress to reduce the vaping epidemic. But the challenge is now youth are starting to experience all-time challenge or all-time highs with mental health. And that's really starting to exacerbate some of the vaping challenges that we've worked so hard to address over time. So just as a little bit of context, reports are showing that one in five youth are struggling with at least one mental health condition. And with all of the different areas in which we're conducting our prevention campaigns and cessation campaigns, we talk to youth a lot. And it's number it's one of the number run reasons why youth are turning to vapes is to cope and deal with the stress and mental health challenges that they may be experiencing. Right. And that's so sad because it actually does help picking up a cigarette, right? It helps your anxiety. But then the consequences of that are are addiction and various uh, health problems and the same with uh, vaping. So trying to think about tobacco, we did so much effort with tobacco and there were um, 
quit lines, right? 1-800-NO-BUTS. So would that same methodology of using these traditional quit lines work for um, teenagers who are vaping or young adults who are vaping? Right. And that's another great question. It's honestly one of the number one things that we started to explore at the onset of the youth vaping epidemic back in 2017 and 2018. But here's the thing. So when we started talking to teens in our research, we heard a lot of hesitations about the use of a traditional quit line. So we heard a lot of teens uh, mention that it felt too formal for them, or they weren't even aware that quit line services existed. Because if you think about it, Historically, these quit lines have not been marketed to them, and there has been so much immense progress that's taken place to really curb youth tobacco use to essentially all-time lows, which is very exciting. However, there is this awareness gap, right, and even knowing that a traditional quit line exists or that it's tailored to meet their needs. So what we've also heard is that teens were not necessarily 100% ready to quit. So maybe they felt like they could be addicted, but they didn't feel like it was a serious process or a serious problem and therefore needed or warranted a call to the quit line. And we also know that vaping is a very social activity. So we also heard that there were a lot of apprehensions and hesitations about going through the formality of a quit line process when uh, they would feel very alone and or like they would not be successful in that quit attempt and potentially be ostracized from their friends or bullied, or um, feeling a little bit insecure about not being successful. So there's this whole feeling of, you know, it's just stop vaping. It's so easy. Uh, but what we know about teens right now in the year of 2023, especially, is that we're dealing with a completely different generation here. They've got a different set of challenges, and we know that they're using very unique mediums in how they feel comfortable interacting with the world. Interesting. So Kelsey Fernandez, she is a prevention specialist, and she asks, is there a program designed for youth to quit uh, vaping since the traditional methods for tobacco and a different generation don't necessarily work for today. Yeah. And there are quite a few resources out there and we work with a lot of quitline partners. Um, but the program that we're particularly excited about is our virtual cessation intervention uh, program called quit the hit. And what quit the hit is it's a, it's a quit, it's a quit intervention um, and cessation support group that educates young people on Instagram. So what we do is we pull together these quick groups of 10 to 15 teens. They're on a medium where they can interact and communicate, and it's guided by a live counselor uh, to help guide them through that quitting process. So what exactly is Quit the Hit? What is the program? Yes. So Quit the Hit is a five-week virtual cessation intervention program that takes place on Instagram. And what we do is we recruit teens who express that they are addicted to nicotine and interested in quitting. And we place them in groups of 10 to 15 um, youth or young adults. And we facilitate this program over the period of five weeks. And they are essentially in these cohorts and go through the program content together with our amazing coach, Bree. Interesting. So through Instagram, we're going to quit vaping. Yes, through Instagram, believe it or not, that is that is what we are doing. So, and I understand that the mission of vaping cessation and the goal is to change behavior, right? So what's the evidence that quitting the hit in your program um, works? 
Yeah. Well, you know, we've been, um, rescue agency has been around for over 22 years. So our, the crux of our agency and behavior change strategies are really tethered to youth tobacco and vaping prevention. So from the years of 2016 to 2020, we developed and implemented a successful online smoking cessation intervention for young adults called Smoke Free Social. And this was in partnership with University of California, San Francisco. And we really worked closely with them to develop this, this program. And so um, through that program, you know, we found a lot of really great success with young adults finding that um, groups and the sense of the sense of community um, was really impactful in creating these norms around quitting tobacco use. And so what we did is we essentially took that same model, this evidence-based model and working with professors and um, those within academia and, and researchers uh, to develop Quit the Hit. And, um, you know, Quit the Hit was designed in um, in partnership with Dr. Danielle Ramo from Hope Lab. Um, and she originally developed a program called the Tobacco Status Project, which supported young adults trying to quit smoking in private groups on Facebook. So working with her and, and Dr. Ling at UCSF, um, you know, this, the program that we're kind of basing our quit the hit model on, um, the program that we developed in partnership with them was published. Um, and we went through multiple successful trials to essentially develop the foundation and the framework, um, by which quit the hit program, um, functions today. Interesting. It looks like a lot of research and thought went behind um, this program. What about parents? Kelsey also asked, what about parents who are worried about their children who are vaping? What can they do? Can they get them into um, such a program or is there any support for them? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the most important things that we recommend is helping parents understand that it's not a straight line for the quitting process. Teens are dealing with so many different challenges and, you know, Brie can talk all about that. Um, but first and foremost, creating this baseline understanding that quitting looks different for everyone. Some teens may be particularly successful with a traditional quitline program and some teens really need hands-on support where empathy is at the core of, you know, that, that whole quitting journey. And so it's really important to help those parents understand that, you know, there is nothing wrong or shameful with vaping. Uh, nicotine is very addictive and we know teens are dealing with so much in their lives right now. So some of the things that we've done is, you know, create flyers and discussion guides and, and toolkits with some of our existing programs. Um, but we do want parents to know most, uh, first and foremost is that, you know, there is hope and there are so many different solutions out there. Um, this is just one of many solutions that exist. Interesting. Uh, I imagine that if you're just like with tobacco, if you're using that to help anxiety, then you need something else to replace it to help with anxiety instead of vaping. But did you say that it's okay to vape? I, maybe... Absolutely not. No, it's, it's more about, <laughs> yeah. What I meant to say there is that, you know, understanding that, um, youth are not bad for vaping, right. Oh, and, and really yeah. taking kind of that stigma and that shame away because so many youth do feel ashamed about the fact that they are vaping and making sure that there is a, a community of support and understanding that vaping is very difficult for teens to quit. 
Right. So, so sometimes I see people mix or misunderstand the whole stigma uh, issue. We don't want stigma on the person. If somebody um, uh, is addicted to nicotine, we can love that person. And there, it doesn't affect who they are as a human being, but smoking and tobacco products is bad. Um, so as some people misinterpret that to think that using drugs or smoking or vaping is okay, but it's not okay. We don't want that behavior, but we don't want to stigmatize you as a human being if you have, if you have an addiction or if you have a problem. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Very excited about this program. We want to hear more uh, from the coach. So let's, let's talk to Bree. And Bree, you are the moderator behind these groups um, of quitting the hit. And that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, how did you get into that? Well, it's so funny. I've been with Rescue, Rescue for years now, and I actually was a part of a separate program that was an in-person program that did a lot of the same things just across all substances. And so having that sort of background made it pretty much a perfect marriage of what to kind of get into next. This program has been has been one that has been really important to me because I get to really help teens and young adults with something, as Kristen said, can feel like there's a stigma or a shame attached to it. And I think that having someone that can be a live facilitator for a group like this allows them to not only share their experiences, but also understand that they're being heard and that they're just not talking to a computer or to a text change chain, that they're actually receiving input from somebody who is thinking about their answers and, and tailoring those answers to whatever their experience is. Interesting. I bet you have fun doing that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I have come across, oh gosh, thousands of teens and like young adults through this process. There's been over 150 groups since it started. And it really gives you an opportunity to see the trends of what they're experiencing every single day and helping them acknowledge those things that they're struggling with, but also seeing the success and allowing them to celebrate that success. I'm all about, you know, with a coaching background, I'm all about small wins. And so the biggest piece of the program for me is being able to celebrate those small wins with them every single day. That's great. So you bring your basketball experience into the Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's as a basketball coach, I think, you know, you have to find that balance of being tough, but also being encouraging. And it is a very, um, it can feel bur like a burden sometimes. But with this program, I really get the opportunity to see them through their success. And that success looks different for everybody. But I want them to be able to see their success and, all, and also celebrate their success. And so me being able to connect with them, be vulnerable with them, hear their stories, be able to connect with their stories, I think is a really big part of the program. That sounds great. I don't want you to be my coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> um, so tell us about your groups. Who who are the kids? Like, what are the age group demographics? It's like 15 um, people at a time. That Tell us a little about the, the people that you coach. Sure. So we keep our groups to 10 to 15 people. I think um, a big piece of what we want to accomplish is creating a level of social support, but also being able to create a safe space. And when you talk about creating a safe space, you like to keep those groups smaller so that they get a chance to be vulnerable with one another, get to know each other, and them getting a chance to get to know each other makes them more respectful with each other. It makes them open up so much more. And so keeping those groups as small as possible makes it just a better feel and environment all around. 
um, the program actually lasts for five weeks. So I am with that same group for five weeks. So you become in, you know, I joke about it. We become like a little mini family because they are commenting on things that are happening within their lives, whether it is a teen who is graduating high school or taking their first test of high school or a young adult who is having their first baby and they need to quit because they want to make sure that they have a healthy body for, body for their child, they're able to grow with one another and, um, and go and realize that they're all connected in their experiences. And just in the age group, the age range? So we have teen groups and we also have young adult groups. So those teen groups end at 18 and then our young young adult groups can end at either 21 or 24, just depending on the program. Okay. So very, very limited up to uh, 24 years old. Mm -hmm. After that, you got to go to a regular, are there regular quit lines or or other places to go to, um, to stop vaping? Absolutely. You know, the traditional quit line process, I think, is one that is kind of tried and true. And I think it's something that works for so many people and is a great resource. I think this program just presents an alternative. I mean, I think that it allows people to get outside of their shell. It allows for a level of accountability. It allows for a level of consistency when just getting those daily messages and those levels of support that you otherwise would kind of have to navigate through by yourself. If we're understanding that through research, that them feeling like they're alone in the process is a big hindrance from being able to quit, we want to provide an environment where they know that they're not alone and that they're hearing some of the same struggles as other people, but they're also hearing other people overcome those struggles. And so that becomes a big part of their own success success journey. Interesting. So pretend um, I'm, uh, I have a vaping issue and I want to quit. Take me through the the process and the experience of what I I go through, uh, through Quit the Hit. So once you sign up and you are qualified for the program, so a piece of qualifying is just making sure that we offer the program in your area and also that you're of the age of the target for that area program um, and also that you use enough for it to make sense for you to go through the program. Once you um, do that, we have you cre- we have you do a baseline survey. And so what that does is it lets us know where you are. We're meeting them where they are. So we need to know what that means. We need to know how much they're using. We need to know what they're struggling with. We need to know what they've tried before. Once you get added into a group, you stay with that group for all five weeks. And so we deliver content to them. And that content can be um, strategies. That content can be daily challenges. That content is sometimes just opportunities for them to reflect on their journey and kind of what they're going through. Once they get through that 25 days, which in the middle is our quit day, a piece of it is a piece of the success of the program is that we as a group, hold each other accountable. So on day 13, when we have to quit together, we are all encouraging one another. That day is a tough day. It's probably one of the most vulnerable days that you'll see within the group, but everyone is going through it together. Some people are going to have an easier journey than others, but knowing that you're going through it at the same time with someone else kind of makes it a little bit easier for you to go through it. And after we get through quit day, we really talk about strategies to deal with the withdrawal symptoms or deal with just any way that you can cope with the things that you're feeling or experiencing that might make you want to turn back to it. And we also do a lot of celebrating. Once you hit quit day, if you're able to continue with it, we want you to know how great of a thing that is. And we want to make sure that we acknowledge that. 
the key is that for many of those teens and young adults, their friends may not know that they're on that quit journey. Their parents may not know that they're on that quit journey. So we want to be able to create that level of support for them that they otherwise don't have outside of it. Are there young kids who are doing this without their parents' uh, uh, knowledge? So there are, so we have teen, like I said, we have teen groups and we have young adult groups. What we offer, because we are through um, through our DM platform, we allow them to, because we don't ask for any like self-identifying information or anything that could be used against them later or anything like that. Um, it gives them an opportunity to see us as a safe space. Obviously, if there was something that we felt like was um, um, an emergency, and we talk about this within the group, if there's something that comes up as an emergency or we feel like is something that we feel would be a red flag, um, we do have ways to, to handle those things that are appropriate um, so we can handle those in the moment. But in most situations, we just offer a level of additional support for them. Um, so do you mean that parents don't have to give consent for the, their kids to be, their minors to be part of this pro- program? That's absolutely correct. And the reality is there's not a lot of programs out there um, or states that actually require parental consent to go through an intervention. Um, we do always encourage, of course, that youth are you know sharing with their community and if they feel comfortable to talk to their parents about the consent. Um, however, it is not a requirement of the program. We really want teens to feel like they can facilitate and go through this program um, with confidence and be able to you know work through things on their own. So we do not require parental consent. Um, However, there are some regions within um, the country, actually, where parental consent is a required component um, of quitting, but this program specifically does not require it. And that makes sense to me, right? If you can go get birth control without parental consent, they should be able to quit vaping without parental consent. So that's in line. For for many teens, they're worried that their parents are going to find out that they're vaping. And so the fear of their parents discovering that they vape is a deterrent some for some teens to quit vaping. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sometimes they don't know. What about, do they say what they're vaping? Is it, uh, and I don't know if the people who are motivated to quit, is it from nicotine? Is it marijuana? Are they using other drugs? We know there's an association of vaping and tobacco and marijuana. So do they, do you, do you talk about the substance? So this is actually my favorite part. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that I've been able to be a part of the program since it started. So obviously nicotine vapes are what the program is focused on. I think through our research and through the conversations that we're having with teens and young adults, we're realizing that a lot of them are using additional products. And so we have conversations around all those things. And the key for us is just helping them understand above all that when you quit vaping, especially nicotine, we wanna make sure that you're not replacing it with something else. that you're actually reducing your use, even if you are using multiple substances and using that learning and those strategies to reduce those things as well and, and, and eliminate those things as well. So it has been a great moment of growth, I think, for the program just to be able to identify some of those other things that they're using. And like I said, we use that baseline survey to be able to determine some of those things that they're using. 
in our follow-up surveys that happen towards the end of the program, one on the last day and one um, a few weeks afterwards, it gives us insight into how much use has continued afterwards. If there's none at all, if it has lessened, which is also amazing, or if they're still struggling with some of the same things. So you don't exclude um, uh, people if they're using other drugs besides nicotine? Absolutely not. No, yeah. we do not. Mm-mm. Yeah, and 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 as I'm sure you would see, and you probably have data showing that that's usually vaping is not alone. That that um, that it's with comes with other drugs. We do, we do. That is one of the big um, pieces, like I said, that has become so impactful for this program is understanding that kids and teens are coming not just with using one product and knowing that we need to um, within the groups and within the content be able to address all those things. So can you share some examples of the way participants help each other through this uh, Mm -hmm. quit journey? Absolutely. So um, again, having been a part of over 150 groups, I've seen it all. I mean, there are, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but there are experiences that they are struggling with um, that really impact their mental health overall. And so being able to be in the group format allows them to to handle those things. Like I said, there are situations where they are about to hit a milestone in their lives. And so they want something new. But what we also talk about are the way that their vaping habits are, are hindering things within their life. Some of them are athletes, some of them are singers, some of them um, play instruments. And so we talk about how do you feel like your life would be or your performance would be if you were not doing this? How much better would it be? And even towards the end of the group, once we've gotten past quit day, we ask again, how are you feeling? Are you seeing these results? Are you seeing and feeling so much better? And we have people who will say things from the beginning like, Um, I'm having trouble even walking up the stairs without getting out of breath um, Mm -hmm. to afterwards being able to say, I walked around my entire neighborhood without being out of breath and really being able to in real time see that success and and have a group of people who will celebrate it with them. That's nice. So sad, young people being short of breath from uh, at such a young age. That's that is heartbreaking. Any cases stand out? You know, what we're seeing more and more is that people have been vaping for years and even before it became popular or social fun or or something that was socially acceptable, people have started from seeing other friends do it older siblings or their parents do it. And so they've been doing it for years and are now really seeing a lot of those effects. So so having a program like this where we are able to identify that and say, this is how it would be if you weren't exhibiting those things or weren't experiencing those things, this is how much better it could be. And being able to say it in real time, I think makes the program what it is in terms of showing them the success that they can have. Great. And then I was saying, any cases stand out? Anybody... Um, his journey that stands out. You. you know what? It's funny because I, um, I'll have to say, like I, <laughs> in so many situations, they do they do the surveys and talk about how their experience went and went, and my name pops up in so many times because they um, they understand that one on one communication and how important it is to have somebody on your side. Um, I have so many testimonials. I think one of my favorite is from a teen participant in California. They said, this first week really helped me realize that quitting isn't as scary as it seems and that it actually is possible for me to do. I felt safe enough to speak my mind to the group. 
but mostly the values make me feel like it was designed for me simply because we are in control of when we want to quit. And this is a space designed to help you do that to the best of your ability and no judgment. Who could ask for more? And so for me, that's, I think that says it all. And it sums it up is that we want to be able to create that safe space. We know that they've had trouble quitting before and that for many of them, it's like, what do I do now? And how can you help me? And when they realize that they're seeing success, they get excited and they want others and we, we get referred to others because they've been able to seek success. Wow, that's meaningful. So what is the success for Quit the Hit? Uh, what percentage of all the people who enroll the program at the end of those five weeks are no longer vaping and feel and not in withdrawal and feel comfortable? So I will say that a big component of the program is understanding that quitting is a journey. So it's hard to put a number to it because for many people, um, that journey can be an up and down journey. And it can be one where slip ups are a part of the process. I will say that a big, um, I, I big um, indicator that we use is quit confidence. And for teens and young adults, feeling more confident about their quit journey. When we first start the program, there are so many who feel like, this is my last stop. This, like, I don't know what else to do at this point. Um, but being a part of the program allows them to not only be equipped with the tools that they need to quit, even if they may not be ready in that in, in that particular moment, um, but also understanding that it is going to be more difficult in times where they're probably stressed the most or their mental health is, is wavering the most. So, the, the key for the program is being able to increase their confidence in quitting. And we see that um, in a big way and in, in a statistically significant way. And so that has been really impactful for us. Interesting. So it's the confidence in quitting, but you don't have a number on how many people that you, you know, uh, that stopped. Yeah. So that's, so the way we measure is through surveys, right? And so as Brie mentioned, they quit on day 17. So what we're looking at are two surveys that help us understand, uh, help us better extrapolate and understand what the reduction rates are. And we do have statistical data that demonstrates we are seeing a reduction in vaping. So what we've seen is that past 30-day vape use from the baseline survey to the follow-up survey, which takes place at the, the final week of the program, um, that decreases from 100% to 89%. So a very notable decrease, however, as a reminder, that quit day isn't until the middle of the program. And then in the final follow-up survey, which is probably the most promising indicator of how impactful the program is, uh, past 30-day vape use, and this is um, past 30-day vape use has decreased to 40 45% from that 100% mark that we saw at the beginning of the program. Uh, and that survey takes place 60 days after the program completes. So really promising metrics. And then um, one of the more exciting pieces that we're starting to see this halo effect take place amongst other tobacco products. So we're seeing reductions in chew and dip and dissolvable nicotine and marijuana in vape devices. So we're still starting to explore kind of what that looks like. And then another piece is that 
we're working through a randomized control trial with the University of California, San Francisco that just actually completed. And that essentially recruited 500 youth and young adult participants um, across the state of California. So we can understand what the difference is between a traditional quit line model um, and quit the hit. And we're really excited to hopefully have some analytics and data from that releasing in the next six months to a year. Wow, that sounds very, first of all, 40% reduction in five weeks or 60 days. That's really good, right? I think that's yeah, we're we're really excited about it. And I think, you know, as Bree mentioned, uh the the format that the groups are taking place and this whole idea that they are building self-efficacy and resilience and confidence that they have the necessary tools and skills to quit vaping is probably one of the more exciting qualitative pieces that we're able to capture. And from there, you know, we see this as a stepping stone to the next chapter of their quit journey. So whether that looks like going to a traditional quit line resource, we're starting to explore potential sustained intervention that can keep them engaged. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really excited about the progress and the states that we're working with are really excited about it as well. Very cool. Can you explain, we've talked about traditional quit line several times, but um, maybe our listeners don't know what that means. Um, what is a traditional quit line? Sure. So every state has a traditional quit line where you can pick up the phone and, and talk to usually a counselor. Is that or- called, is that the 1-800-NO-BUTS? 1-800-NO-BUTS. And then, um, you know, there's kind of the national quit line services that exist, but then most states, there is a state-based quit line where adults are typically calling the quit line to quit, you know, combustible cigarette use and other tobacco use. And some of those quit lines have created youth-tailored interventions or um, programs. So for example, National Jewish Health is a quit line. They have My Life, My Quit. There's Truth, This Is Quitting. There's the Optum um, Youth Vaping Intervention Program. So there are a variety of different resources and solutions out there that exist. Can you use those for vaping? Or they would say, oh, you're a vapor, don't call, call this line. My understanding is that no one will get turned away um, from any quit line. And if they don't have the exact resource that they need, they would surely get referred to a resource that exists and that can help them. I'm just wondering if I could apply this to, like, I'm thinking about my patients who have cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, and they're very much addicted. If I refer them to one of these uh, quit lines and tell them to say, hey, I, I'm smoking marijuana, would you help me? Would they Can you use the same... Uh, things or would they be turned away? Yeah. My understanding is that there are very limited treatment options for cannabis right now. And as you mentioned before, Dr. Lev, one of the things that we see is that, um, you know, people use multiple products for, you know, various things. And so we have seen an overlap, as we mentioned in our groups around teens using vaping for, you know, nicotine use, but then also cannabis use. And what we have found is that as you start to learn the mechanisms of quitting and building resilience or finding alternative ways to cope, that that can have an impact um, and reduce your rates. And so I think it really depends on the person um, and and the scope and complexity of, of their addiction and may be successful in, you know, either utilizing a traditional kind of quit line model, um, like the, you know, this is quitting or 
a state-based kind of resource, or there are other substance interventions also that exist that can help with um, more complex addiction challenges related to, you know, cannabis use disorder and things like that. Interesting. I, I would, you know, I think I'm going to try that and see if that, if that works, at least it's something um, that people can, can do. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the availability of uh, quit the hit. So let's say we want to, um, to enroll, where, where do people go to get this resource and where is it available? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we are going to be this next year in seven different states. So um, basically what happens is that the state health department or an insurance service like Blue Cross Blue Shield funds the program and essentially allows us to bring that program to their state. So right now we are in a variety of a variety of different states across the West Coast, the Midwest. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about the access and availability in your state, please do reach out. Um, and we are hoping to have more opportunities in the future to further grow the program. We're looking at different grants, for example, to you know potentially do something at a national scale. However, that is a that is a ways out, and right now it is technically a state funded program. Right. So if it's if this if your state has it. I assume you go to the website, you log on, and is it free to you as a person? Yes, it is free to you as a person. And uh, the teens and young adults who do participate also receive incentives for going through the program and completing the program and participating. So um, not only is it free uh, to the individual who's enrolling, but they're also incentivized for their time um, because time is valuable. And we feel that this program has a lot to offer. And we're really excited to continue supporting them in um, the best way that we know how. That's interesting. So states fund this, they pay for the programs, and then it's uh, free to the consumers. Do you have your, um, you know, the phones or not phones anymore, but is the, is the website overwhelmed with people who want to do this or, or just do we need to get the word out more? Well, the website is overwhelmed sometimes with the people who want to do this, as I see Brie laughing. Um, but yeah, we are we are definitely seeing a really um, immense growth trajectory right now with Quit the Hit. So just as context, back in 2020, when we first launched the program, we had just piloted in one to two states. Um, and so just to see this growth to be up to seven states, possibly eight this next year is really exciting. Um, I think that, you know, the pieces making sure that there are solutions in your state that, that work for everyone. And we don't think this program will necessarily be the one size fits all solution, nor do we think that it should be. Uh, there are so many great other, you know, programs out there that exist and they exist for a reason. And as you know, we've mentioned before, this is just one of many different solutions and we're seeing a lot of great promise and potential with it. I'm really excited. I'm so happy that you guys are doing this. Um, the research behind it is fascinating. I think you're going to find out if you dive deep that um, how helpful it is in other things, like you said, other tobacco products. And uh, I would love to find out if that helps with certain people. Nothing's 100%. But if it helps certain people who say that they started with marijuana and at the end they were able to 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 stop um, marijuana, then I think that that gives a lot of uh, hope. And then we could expand um, the program, not just for 
um, you know, tobacco use, but we could use that type of motivation and, you know, behavior modification really um, for, for other products as well. We are, we are equally excited and hopeful to have an opportunity to explore that further. It's one of the many reasons why we're so thrilled about the partnership that we have with Dr. Ling at UCSF and Dr. Danielle Remo. Uh, both of them have participated in, you know, these interventions before in exploring dual use. And, you know, we also at Rescue are very much in uh, the throes of cannabis prevention, cannabis use disorder, and we definitely see this intersection. Um, and the reality is we, we have a great platform that we're hoping to infuse more research, uh, more strategy to hopefully evolve in some capacity to help more people. That's awesome. Quit the hit and quit drugs in general. That's awesome. Um, final conclusions, stories, Bree and Kristen, what would you want to share with us about um, the, the program, quit the hit or drug prevention in general? I would say, I, well, sure, I will jump in first. Um, I just really want to reiterate kind of something that we talked a lot about at the beginning is just there's no shame in it. If you need help, ask for it. If you want, if you're interested in a program and want to see if it's available in your area, just go to quitthehitnow.com and see if we're if we're available there. I think that's the biggest misconception. It's just that with people not people being afraid to tell someone that they're struggling and that it is a is something that you can just quit at the drop of a dime. And it's not. It's something that takes time. It takes understanding what makes you do it. It takes understanding your circumstances. It takes understanding your behaviors and how to change your behaviors. And so it's not as simple as it's made out to be. And so I really just want people to, and young adults and teens to understand that it's okay if you are struggling, that there is help out there for you. And I would just say that, you know, in the nine years that I've worked at Rescue Agency, you know, we've been able to roll out a few different strategies and tactics to really meet youth where they're at. So whether it's in-person events, um, being on the ground with them, or whether it's a virtual intervention where we can connect with them. I think the reality is, you know, youth are living in a digital era. And what this program really allows us to do is to meet them where they're at and provide them the space and the empathy and the research, the the evidence-backed research and uh, facilitation that we see in, you know, a traditional quitline model, but bring it to them in a medium where they feel really comfortable and in a native environment where they can connect with others. You know, it's an isolated time for a lot of people as they, you know, continue spending time on, on digital and um, on social media. And so being able to forge a sense of community has been one of the most special things about this program. And and probably honestly, what has made the program be as successful as it is today. So um, really being able to meet people where they're at, no matter you know what the topic, if it's substances, if it's nicotine, if it's mental health, I think there's so much to be said about kind of what the program stands for and something I'm really proud to be a part of. Yeah, I am. I'm proud of it as well. I hope we get a, a lot more people who decide to quit the hit. And it sounds like a, a really successful, rewarding uh, program. So I want to say really thank you to Kristen, to Bree, to the Rescue Agency for this conversation, for promoting vaping cessation. I want to say thank you also to Kelsey Fernandez for your question and important work in prevention, working with youth and parents, uh, the upstream solution to the issue of drugs and addiction 
is really the focus of what you all do. So I really want to thank you. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. This week's episode would not be possible without the generous support of our sponsor. A sincere and warm thank you to Isaac, the International Academy on the Science and Impact of Cannabis, doctors educating on the harms of marijuana. Visit IsaacOne.org, that's I-A-S-I-C-1.org, to view their library that translates medical journals for public understanding, listen to their speaker series, and follow the science on marijuana. High Truth producer is Dave Rivas from Davey Boy Productions. I'm your host, Dr. Oni Lev. We hope we brought your day a little bit more High Truths.